Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And this is our first episode. Ooh. Crowd go whack. We are reviewing Starship Troopers. Hey, Matt, check it out. I just became a full-fledged citizen. I mean, I thought you already were. I'm a, I'm a citizen. Weren't you born here? Oh, I was born here. That doesn't mean anything. You're less than. You're not a full citizen. Do you know how you guarantee full citizenship? Uh, you're born here? No, you've got to join the military. So you enlisted? You're damn right I enlisted. I'm a roughneck now. Uh, so you're gonna fight bugs in space to become a citizen? Hell yeah! You wanna know more? This is for all you new people. I only have one rule. Everyone fights. No one quits. If you don't do your job, I'll kill you myself. Do you get me? All right, man, let's explain to them what we do. So we take a look at uh, VHS that we dig up, and we try to find the uh, gold in it. We just go through all the crap in your closets, under your beds. Matt actually sneaks in like a little elf. I do. I'm the little little VHS elf on the show. (laughs) And we try to find the gold in all that useless plastic. Yes, yes, and there's plenty of it to be found. Play that intro! Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. That was gold. Ah, that theme right there was done by Scott Roger of Horror Movie Night. Thank you, Scott. You're awesome. I uh, made their uh, website, so he made us our intro there. That's awesome. Yeah, I love the uh, intro theme music. It's so fun. It really gets the uh, tone set for what we're going to bring. Yeah, it's got that 1980s synth feel. Yeah, and I, I think we have that 1980s feel as well. So. Well, I hope so. That's the whole point. <laughs> Let's get into these film details on this. So, like we said, or if you haven't picked up, we're reviewing Starship Troopers. That was directed by Paul Verhoeven of RoboCop, Total Recall, and Basic Instinct. And uh, he teamed up with the writer here, Edward Niermeyer? I think it's Newmeyer. Newmeyer? He did the screenplay. I'm going to, you should know, for every episode, I will jack up an average of 4.2 names. And I will come in and correct you and also be wrong with the pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we do. We like to double down on our ignorance. Yes. (laughs) Uh, He also wrote RoboCop, RoboCop 2, and pretty much every Starship Trooper game sequel, or at least he had something to do with it. And I'll I'll be honest, he he feels like a uh, comic book writer. Yeah, there's definitely a style there that you can't... uh, that's not like a typical screenplay writer. It's a, it's something that sets him apart. So yeah, maybe he is from that world. I'm I'm not in that world, so I don't know. But uh, it definitely feels like that. Well, when they get together, you know, RoboCop and uh, Starship Troopers here, I like what they do. <laughs> All right, it was also vaguely based on a book by Robert A. Heinlein uh, from 1959, uh, and, and I mean vaguely based. Apparently, from everything I've read and heard on YouTube. Basically, it was a pro-fascist book. Oh, interesting. Was he German? I don't know, actually. See, here at Analog Jones, 
sometimes we don't do all the investigation. <laughs> well, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun to sort of discover it as we go, you know. Like, we like to uncover things as we talk about it. So we don't want to get too, too into the research. We want to talk about the tape. That's right. I didn't really care about the book, uh, <laughs> honestly. Skip the book, see the movie. <laughs> yep. I don't like to read. <laughs> Uh, this is starring Casper Van Dien of Sleepy Hollow and Tarzan and The Last City. Have you ever seen Tarzan? No. Good. Uh, <laughs> we'll just skip that. It's bad. Oh, okay. But uh, he is shirtless in it a lot. I mean, he's a he's a good-looking man. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him greased up and shirtless. <laughs> We've also got Dina Meyer from Johnny Mnemonic and Dragonheart. And Bats. <laughs> <laughs> the I lesser. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't include her most popular film. Bats. Bats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we got so many in this. We got Denise Richards from the greatest Bond movie ever made, The World Is Not Enough. That is sarcasm because that is terrible. I've never seen it. I don't, don't care, though. Don't. Uh, she's also in Wild Things and Valentine. Yes, two movies that I do love. Yeah. Wasn't she married to a uh, crazy... Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen, that's yeah. it. How do I forget the craziest man other than Gary Busey alive? <laughs> Charlie Sheen. Uh, we've got Jake Busey from Frighteners, PCU, Tomcats. He's pretty much giant teeth. Yeah. Junior. Little little Busey. Yeah. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris from Doogie Howser, MD, and How I Met Your Mother. And just general being Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, he's just <laughs> spectacular. Yeah. Uh, Michael Ironside, which, oh, gosh, he's in so much, but I've got Total Recall, Top Gun, Scanners, Turbo Kid. Yeah. I mean, you name it, 80s, 90s, 2000s, even now. Character actor that is all over the place, and he's fantastic. Brings it every time. Oh, yeah. He owns the camera when he's on it. Yeah. Uh, We've got the last one I wanted to say. Oh, Clancy Brown from Shawshank Redemption, a thousand other films. And I just put Pet Cemetery too, because I think that's funny. He's also great in that movie too. He's, he's amazing in Pet Cemetery. I mean, he always brings it, and he's and he's uh, what Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. That's right. Mm-hmm. He does. He, I think he does a lot of animation uh, voices. He's got a great voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this movie was released into theaters on November seventh, nineteen ninety seven. But little Matt and little Steve here. We didn't have the money to see it in 1997. That's right. Yeah, 1997, I was probably seeing the Star Wars re-releases or something. Oh, we're, we're wasting our money wasting on other money. shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's play the uh, trailer here for you. In every age, there is a cause worth fighting for. But in the future... The greatest threat to our survival will not be man at all. Hey, Ken, what's going on? It's war! We're going to war! Now, the youth of tomorrow must travel across the stars to defend our world. We are a generation commanded by fate to defend humankind. Everyone fights, no one quits. face an enemy more devastating than any ever imagined. Incoming! Woo! What'd you think of that trailer? 
I mean, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to uh, rent it on video and check it out. Yeah, they really sold it as an action film only. <laughs> uh, and it's not. It's it's very interwoven with anti-fascism and uh, I don't know. Anti-war sentiments. Yeah. It's, very, very po- politically satir- satirical. Yes. The marketing on the trailer, not what people really got. I mean... When you were younger like us, you, you bought it. You didn't even look into any of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would I would argue that it does deliver on the action stuff. Yes, I mean, yeah. you get all that stuff. It's just wrapped up in a anti-war, like, political commentary. But you're getting all the action still. It still delivers. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I love this as a kid. I love it as an adult, but for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, our production companies here were TriStar and Touchtone. Distributed by Buena Vista, which I feel is a very underrated distribution company because they do a lot. Well, they're Disney. That's Disney's, like, adult. Yeah, they're, yeah. yeah. But they don't get talked about a lot. But Buena Vista is all over, especially the late 90s and early 2000s. Oh, yeah, all those Touchstone movies, like the Bruckheimer movies and things like that. Yeah, that's all all them. But it's still, it's Disney. How, m- Disney. how many other nerds actually talk about underrated distribution companies? <laughs> Man, we are just like 14. Paving, yeah. paving the way right now. <laughs> All right, we got a <laughs> shit. That's funny. <laughs> the budget on this film was a hundred and five million dollars in nineteen ninety seven. To me, that seems like three hundred million today. I'm sure it is. Yeah, but you know what? Every fucking dollar's on screen in this movie. Though. Oh no, joke! I couldn't even imagine the market on this because I don't remember when I was a kid uh, but usually marketing 25-30% of your budget is added on top of it so I bet this film $140 million yeah I mean I knew about it when it was coming out and it wasn't marketing to me it wasn't marketing to an 8 year old boy no, no. <laughs> but I knew about it so like it's it was working the posters the TV spots the trailers it worked oh they they tried now, it didn't correlate to success in the United States. The gross domestic uh, money they made here was only $54.7 million. Hmm. I mean, it must have made a killing then on video because of, you know, the franchise that has come after it. I'm sure it did. I'm sure a lot of films that seemed like this, they made their money through the VHSs. Yeah, and this was definitely one that I I saw go from, like, a major Hollywood release, you know, that didn't do as well, like you're talking about, that became sort of a cult classic over the years, and then now has sort of just become a sci-fi classic. Like, the cult classic aspect is out. This is no longer a midnight movie. People consider this to be a sci-fi classic. That's true. One of the reasons I think this failed in the U.S. and Canada was it was torn apart by critics. Interesting. I bet going back now they would all change that. A lot of them didn't seem to get that this was making fun of fascism and war. They just took it as a straight pro-war film. Maybe because they had the baggage of the book. Maybe they knew about the book. They did their research on the book and were like, oh, this is a pro-war movie and just totally missed I don't know how you miss this as the as a first time watching this as an adult 
how do you miss the sarcasm <laughs> or the? It beats you over the head yeah, with it in that first be- scene. Yeah, which we'll get into when we start talking about the film. But like, it beats you over the head with it. Yeah, I just don't get it. It's not subtle. <laughs> now the worldwide, this movie made its money. It made 121 million dollars, and the best attendance was a, a country that kind of this is close to their heart, maybe, and maybe they got it. I don't know, but it was Germany. Yeah, I mean, it. They probably yeah, they probably latched onto the humor. Verhoeven, I'm sure you know, being from around that region, yeah. is uh, was enough to uh, interest people and sort of answer to what they were thinking at the time, probably. Yeah, I, I just was really surprised uh, that Germany was it, but it's great to know. Now here at Analog Jones, what we like to pretend is we go back to the old rental store, the Blockbuster or whatever local store was by your place, and little Matt here is walking down the aisles. Yep. And little Steve is, well, he's outside holding our bikes because there's terrible thieves around there. Yeah, yeah, no, the city is a dangerous place. <laughs> we cut our $2 together, $3. How much do you think this would cost for new release? Two bucks. Two bucks. Two All bucks. right, fine. Um, and uh, he's going to rent it, and he's going to describe the box art on it and give us a synopsis. So, Matt, I'm gonna give it away to you. Yeah, so you're walking down the aisles, and you're like, what are we going to rent today? What's uh, what's going to draw us in? And you walk past this cover art of uh, Starship Trooper. So the top, top thing you get right away from the director of Total Recall and Basic Instinct hooked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right under it, a Paul Verhoeven film. Okay. So if you're a nerd and you know who that is, you're like, all right, I'm in. Uh, Cool little title treatment with uh, Starship Troopers with uh, space inside the letters and everything like that. Wow! uh, Real sharp edge. Not sharp edge, but like just like a just a sleek, cool font, uh, you know, floating in space. And then we get three of our leads in our our ensemble, which is uh, Johnny Rico and his two love interests, uh, Carmen and Izzy. Uh, next to him, well, he's got his big ass gun on what looks like a Mars type planet, which I don't think appears in the film at all because it's mostly like desert planet and stuff. But this is like a big red planet that they're on on the cover here, with uh, some spaceships flying way above them at the top. He's got a big gun. He looks angry. The ladies look also ready for action. Uh, and we get a little quote at the bottom that says, "Astonishing energy and bold, exuberant humor." Those are some big words for a little kid's dream. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have saw energy and humor and been like, okay. <laughs> but like, I think the I think this cover conveys that though. It's it's got an it's got enough of cheesiness and action sort of happening on here, and two pretty ladies and a pretty guy if you're into that. Um, yeah, we both mentioned that this cover for the VHS right here actually does a better job than the movie poster that came out for U.S. and Canada. Uh, the movie poster for U.S. and Canada is all blue, gives you that space, but it's very bleak. Yeah, it's sort of just like war, and then we get a little bit of space in the center, so you know it's like futuristic or sci-fi war, but it's very much like a war image. Yeah, definitely. And then we found a couple other posters. The Australian poster, which is definitely the weakest, almost looks like Casper Van Dien's about to shoot Denise Richards in the face. <laughs> yeah, and she's not happy about it. <laughs> giant bugs behind them exploding. 
You know, I bet when I describe this on this podcast, people are going to be like, that sounds great. But honestly, you look at the poster, like, it's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. Now, the Japanese one is very dramatic and very alien. It's got a little arm claw from yeah, the like bug. bug yeah, arm. the war bug, I guess. The, the main, the infantry bug. Mm-hmm. It's just stabbing a helmet in space. Yeah. It's, it's very it's bleak. A, but it's a great image. It's yeah. probably just not great for this movie because it doesn't really capture the humor and satire. No, it looks like horror. It, it's a horror movie. Yeah. So, so it's a great image. But maybe that's how Japan actually took this film is it's horrible, but, you know, like a horror film. Not, yeah, not, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? But, uh, yeah. Other VHS covers, I saw the U.K. and Germany, they just basically used the movie poster the U.S. and Canada got. And then Japan used the exact same movie poster they had. No difference, really. You know, I think I think maybe the best image, you know, looks wise is probably the Japanese one, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm minimalist always, so I I like that. But I think for capturing the tone of the movie between all the posters and all the VHS arts, I think the U.S. art really captures the tone of the movie best. Now, you know what you're signing up for when you look at Discover. It looks like a fun action sci-fi war right. movie. Which I think is what it is. The rest uh, vaguely get what it is. Japanese, I think, is the farthest off from actually the tone of the film. But it's, yeah, you're right. It's the most dramatic. If we had to vote, I'd say that one's the best. But for marketing-wise, definitely U.S. Yeah. Anyway. So take a look at the uh, the sides here. Casper Van Dien's on one side, and you get uh, Dina Meyer on the other side. So no Denise Richards on the sides. Uh, it looks like the tape... Actually, it was released by Sony TriStar, so uh, Touchstone and Disney took a backseat on the release of the VHS, which probably paid off more for TriStar since it did better on VHS. Disney was probably, ah, it didn't make money in theaters. You guys have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sony probably got the last laugh on that because uh, they walked away with the franchise, too. They got the rest of the movies. Uh, we see that it's uh, digitally mastered. That was a thing they were pushing in the, the 97 and stuff I remember like a lot of them pushing the uh, widescreen yeah. Which this one is not, but Yes. <laughs> but yeah, digitally mastered was a thing that was big in ninety seven. So let's take a look at the back here and uh we top of it uh starts off with the only good bug is a dead bug. You're damn right. <laughs> and then we uh we go down to the uh, synopsis here. From the bridge of the fleet battle station what is it? Terra 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 go? go? No, what is it? I forget what it is in the movie. Oh, um... You know what? Let's just call it... Ty-Congerin dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yep. I don't know. With its sweeping galactic views, the desolate terrain of the planet Clendato... Taraco? Taragon? I don't know. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? It's bugs and shooting things. Teeming with shrieking, fire-spitting, brain-sucking special effects creatures. Hooked. (laughs) (laughs) Acclaimed director Paul Verhoeven crafts a dazzling epic based on Robert A. Heinlein's classic sci-fi adventure. Casper Van Dien, Dina Meyer... Denise Richards, Jake Busey, Neil Patrick Harris, Patrick Muldoon, and Michael Ironside star as the courageous soldiers who travel to the distant and desolate Clendatu system for the ultimate showdown between species. Sensationally exciting? Like Star Wars, it's ground zero for a new generation of thrill seekers. From Entertainment Weekly, that little quote at the end. Uh, the special effects are astounding from Joel Siegel. 
good Well, that's probably, by the time this came out, they already knew about the Oscar that they were nominated for, so they definitely got to put that at the end. Yeah. But they don't mention that they were nominated for an Oscar, which is funny. Well, it's because they didn't win. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but, it, uh, yes, the special effects are astounding. And we just get an image of uh, Rico dodging the, uh, the fire spitter bug, which is cool. I like that image. Kinda. And this is one of his first movies, right? Yeah, I think it's the first thing I ever saw him in. Yeah, definitely the first thing I saw him in. Uh, but I'm sure he was doing yeah stuff in the earlier 90s, but nothing big. Like, Tarzan was probably not a huge deal. I'm pretty sure Tarzan was a direct-to-video. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we get a little credit block and the studio logos, and we see that it's uh, 130 minutes. Oh, they got 130. They got 129 on IMDb. I love it when they're different. <laughs> yeah, right. And I bet it's like something like 127 or something yeah, like that. Like yeah. yeah, it's not even probably. I wasn't watching the VHS counter when watching this movie because I was so invested in the movie, so I didn't care how long I had left in it. Unlike some of the other movies we talk about later. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> later. Um. Yeah, so I think right. that's a, that's our cover. That's the box art. I'm I'm thinking we're renting this. I'm thinking yep, we're, we're walking away with this. Definitely. Let's get on our bikes. Let's go home and let's put this tape in because we got to finish it before our parents get home. Well, we got to rewind it first too because the last fucker didn't. God damn it! <laughs> Coming soon on video and DVD. The film has started, and what's our coming attractions? Yes, we pop that tape in, and we get the uh, first trailer for Apt Pupil. Uh, They were pushing Brian Singer really hard at the time because uh, Usual Suspects had just come out Mm, a couple years before, and this was uh, one of his follow-ups. So this is right before X-Men? Yeah, right before X-Men. I never saw this movie. Trailer made it look good, though. I'd watch it. Well, I understand why they would put this on here. Starship Troopers, fascism, then you get an Apt Pupil, Nazi, yada, yada. Uh, I did see it. I remember it being good. Okay. Uh, but, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be remembered by many people. Yeah, it seems to be like sort of one of the uh, forgotten Brian Singer movies. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'd go back and watch it. I don't like Brian Singer. I got no problem saying that. But uh, I would go back and rewatch this when the trailer sold yeah. me on it. If we can find it at a flea market or something, I'm sure we'll buy it. Yeah, I'll check it out. We'll do it here. All right. What was our <laughs> second film? I still know what you did last summer, but it was a really cool teaser where it didn't have any footage from the actual movie, but it was just our Julie James character going to see a psychiatrist and telling her about what all happened and how terrible this experience was, and then the psychiatrist was like, you gotta look in the mirror and tell yourself it's gonna be okay or whatever, and then the fisherman jumps through the mirror and, I still know what you did last summer, coming next year to theaters. I wanna see it! <laughs> I, I was... Hooked, if you will. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and then we uh, jump down to Opposite of Sex. Never seen this one. Me neither. I want to. It looked yeah. good. Christina Ricci looks like she's given it like 110% in this one. Is she slutty in the trailer? Yeah. Yep. Okay. That yep. was a Christina Ricci late 90s film then. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I wouldn't even say slutty. I'm going to go with like sexually free. All right, well, that's the PC in you. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Can't Hardly Wait is the last trailer. Oh, man, everyone in my high school that I know of loved this. I loved it in high school. Yeah, I was still in uh, I was still in grade school at the time when this one came out. But no, no we were the same age. No, we're not. <laughs> Remember, we're on the bikes renting the video. Well, you, you, you and your little kids in the summer, <laughs> and you're, you know, 
they're kid, you're friends with kids that are a little older. Um, but yeah, I I was in grade school when this one came out, but it was still like a big deal movie for all yeah, of us. Yeah. I think it was like a like a '90s defining movie. And watching it was trailer, one of those. Yeah, I think it was one that kind of defined us, like American Minions. Pie and all yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely, so. I think this one's actually better than American Pie. I'd love to talk about that one someday too, because or American, both of those movies. Uh, yeah, I would talk both about of both. Uh, I yeah, I love Can't Hardly Wait. I think that's a '90s masterpiece. Masterpiece. All right. Masterpiece. All right. So we uh, we now we go into the movie. Let's break this thing down. It's our feature presentation. And now our feature presentation. Here it is. Here's Starship Troopers. What do we begin with? We start off with a very basic title treatment of Starship Troopers. It's like a very generic font, but I think it's to disarm us because then we get thrown immediately into a uh, commercial, which seems to be like an internet commercial that is all about enlisting and joining up with the Federation. Uh, definitely throwing you right into the uh, heavy commentary in the movie. Yeah, and then the reporter who is actually on location, like a war reporter, he gets eaten by a bug. Right, and we see our hero... Uh, Johnny Rico being Dreamboat like, Yeah Dreamboat Johnny Rico Being like We gotta go kill him Let's go get him And we see him Get stabbed in the leg And then it cuts off And they're just like Do you wanna see more? You're damn right I do I'm gonna click right now Where, <laughs> Where's the button? <laughs> so yeah We get a little bit We get a couple other Little like Commercially Interludes there And then we get thrown Into our main story Where we go One year earlier And meet the I'm assuming they're supposed to be in a version of high school in the future, but they're a little older because they're talking about going off to college or joining up with the military. But I don't think they're supposed to be playing 18-year-olds. I think they're supposed to be older. I think there's, like, a thing with the schooling in the future yeah. where it's, like, you go a little bit longer so that you can go enlist afterwards type thing. It's kind of like Saved by the Bell in space in a way. That's how I took it, but... Saved by the bell when they're in the college years. Yeah, it's something It's something like that where we get these high school-ish characters that are all in their 20s uh, deciding whether they're going to go to college or enlist. And we meet uh, Johnny Rico. We meet his girlfriend, uh, Cameron. And we meet his uh, other love interest. Uh, is it Dizzy or Izzy? Dizzy? It is Dizzy. Dizzy. And we meet Michael Ironside, who is his teacher at the time. And... Michael Ironside is telling them about all the benefits of enlisting, and we know that Carmen's going to enlist, so Rico's going to follow her because they're in love. Yeah. All this. So we kind of get almost like a little soap opera, but it works. It works so well. Well, it did introduce, you know, like Casper Van Dien's character, Johnny Rico, as a dreamer. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got Denise Richards' character who's paying attention. Yeah, she actually is interested in all this. Uh, but here, let me play you Michael Ironside's little uh, naked force or naked violence. Uh, my mother always said violence never solves anything. Really? I wonder what the city fathers of Hiroshima would say about that. You. They probably wouldn't say anything. Hiroshima was destroyed. Correct. Naked force has resolved more issues throughout history than any other factor. The contrary opinion, that violence never solves anything, is wishful thinking at its worst. People who forget that always pay. Rico, what's the moral difference, if any, between a civilian and a citizen? 
A citizen accepts personal responsibility for the safety of the body politic, defending it with his life. A civilian does not. The exact words of the text. But do you understand it? Do you believe it? I don't know. Of course you don't. I doubt anyone here would recognize civic virtue if it reached up and bit you in the ass. Beating it over the head that, like, the only way to get things done is basically kill, kill, kill. Yeah, violence is always the answer. Yeah, basically. Oh, and then I you love see, it. And you see Johnny Rico's little character's moment of humanity where you're like, I don't know if it's always the answer. Yeah, and I was just like, well, you'll see. And then, yeah, like, then, then we learn that according to the world of this movie, violence is always the answer. <laughs> and then our next scene, we get a golden girl. Yeah, we get Blanche as the... Uh, would you say, like, biology-type teacher because they're dissecting a bug in her class? Yes, and this is when we get uh, Carmen's little character. Like, she, she's queasy. Right, we get that because she barfs after uh, Rico pulls out a bunch of organs from yeah. the bug. And it is gooey. Yeah, it's gooey. great 90s practical effects and things. It is nasty, and it's great, yeah. And she, she barfs all over the place after that, and that's, that's how that scene ends. Yeah, no. but it's a good it's a good intro to the characters, and we also get see it, it does a good job with Rico, and we got Dizzy who are like, what's you know they jump right in, right? I mean they're like the boots on the ground, they're getting shit done while she can't handle it, right? So I, I think that was on purpose introduction. And then later on, we get the uh, NPH, yeah, uh, being a total douchebag <laughs> by hacking the computer and showing how low of a score that Johnny Rico has. Right, but he's not the bully character in the movie. They're friends. Yeah, they're friends, but, but he's, he's being a, a douche. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you do that? But I guess the whole point of this was to show that uh, he kind of doesn't care well, in a way. I also think, too, it's a commentary that, like, these these type of people, that's what they're like. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, they, they're literally awful to each other, but they're family. It's yeah. There's there's something to be mined from that uh, that much smarter people than us can dig into. <laughs> well, they quickly established all these characters, uh, and then we get eventually we get the football game. Correct? Is that the next scene? Right. But I did want to point out because at this this point before the football game, we learn everybody's full name. So we obviously know Johnny Rico, but we learn like Carmen is uh, Carmen. Ibanez? Ibanez, yeah. And we know Dizzy Flores because we see their scores or whatever. These are all, and then we know they're in Buenos Aires, so they're all like these Hispanic names in this South American. What are you trying to say? But they're the whitest Hitler youth you've ever <laughs> seen. And I just, I, it's, it's got to be intentional. Like, this isn't like a whitewashing thing. This is like purposeful casting. Here. Yeah. On, and it's, yeah. it's so on the nose and great right there. Well, clearly, we know what the superior race is. <laughs> according according to this world, yeah. Side note, not Stephen's real feelings. <laughs> <laughs> no, when we, when we talk about the, uh, the sarcasm that's laid out in the film, we'll be sarcastic, so don't hold us to it. But at the uh, same time... This is going to get political because we're. This is our. This is our first episode, and we're already dealing with like a political satire here. So like some opinions are going to fly that some people aren't going to like. Pretty ah. early on, 
I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's, bold. it's it's well. I just said the white people are a superior <laughs> race. I mean, is that bold or stupid? <laughs> joke, <laughs> joke, 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 joke. You are saying what the film is presenting, yes. not what you are thinking. I think everybody uh, knows that, and if yeah. they don't know that, then they should just turn this shit off and go home. <laughs> Anywho, on to the football game. <laughs> yeah, so they're playing football. <laughs> And uh, we, we see Patrick Muldoon on the other team, who becomes the other love interest for Carmen. So there's everybody's involved with everybody. Dizzy loves Rico. Rico loves Carmen. And Carmen might be interested in Patrick Muldoon, who's interested in her. Well, everyone's interested in Patrick Muldoon. Yeah. I mean, he's the, handsome. The, he's Quarterback. The, He's the uh, Veronica to uh, Casper Van Dien's Betty. Yeah, he's he's our Tom Brady character here. <laughs> Everybody wants him. Yes. So eventually we find out that Johnny Rico is going to join the military, correct? And his parents don't like it. Right. Because uh, he was getting ready for prom of some sort. Yeah, the big dance. Yeah, the big dance, whatever. That's all they kept saying was the big dance after the game. And his you know, dad is like, don't you do it. I've got connections because apparently I'm rich. I mean, their house was ridiculous. Yeah, I think I think right here too another like commentary scene with the kid that wants to enlist. Uh, you know, and the, the parents being like, "Are you sure that's what you want to do?" There's a great line where they say, uh, "They're recruiting you at school. Shouldn't that be illegal?" I love that. Like, I think that says that that just captures sort of what the movie's trying to say in like one line, right? Well, I mean, the military came to my school when I was a kid. Oh yeah, Same. yeah. But like in your head, you're like, that that doesn't like when you hear that line, you're like, that doesn't mm. seem right. Well, they always sell it as it's an opportunity, right? But yeah, yeah. There's some there's something there, and that line really like yes. I like that. I yeah. really like that. Though. It was definitely done on purpose. I'm sure. Um, Paul Verhoeven probably put up with that as a youngin way back in fascist state. Yeah, I mean, he escaped, like, really bad fascism to come over and make movies, so he's he's probably going to lay it on thick. Yeah, if you want to appreciate his magic run through the late 80s to all the way up, I would say this is probably his last great one. Yeah, I mean, he's made good movies since, but nothing that was, like... That was on, like, another level where yeah. there was, like, the commentary and sort of... But also bridging the gap into being, like, a mainstream yeah, hit as well. No one's going to list Hollow Man as one of his great hits. I literally, <laughs> just until you said that, forgot that that movie entirely existed. <laughs> exactly. And it has a CG Kevin Bacon penis in it. Yes. So... CG Bacon bit, if you will. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I saw a little bit of you enjoying that and also hating me yeah. at the same time. Because, <laughs> yeah, that visual just came right back to me, smacked me in the forehead. <laughs> um, let's move on to him. Oh, but we should also mention that, I mean, it's such a struggle for Johnny Rico here. He's got two beautiful women at the dance just wanting to bang him. Yeah, and he is the perfect blonde hair, blue-eyed, chiseled man, and it's so hard. So, so hard. hard. God. Got to decide between women. Struggles. <laughs> First world problems. So then we get them. I remember him joining after this. and For the girl. He's literally for, following yeah, Carmen. He, because Carmen is going to be a pilot. Right. He is going to be a grunt. Yes. Uh, that's, boots. That's you know. all he's good at. And he just knows 
you know, on his feet. And then we get what's his name from Breaking Bad and Total Recall. What is this man's? He does so many great character work. Who is this? Um, it is the he's like the mobile infantry made me the man I am today. And then we he pulls out from his chair and we notice that oh, all oh, the adults. It's yes. not. No, no, it's not the guy from Breaking Bad. Uh, it's not. Norris. No, no, no. The guy that he's signing up with that's like in pieces is just a regular character actor. And then when he goes to talk like to actually talk to somebody about mobile infantry, then he talks to Dean Norris from Breaking Bad. So the guy who like yeah. signs him up that's like in pieces. Oh, that's just right. A, yeah, just he's just a. Yeah. But we do notice that all the adults here are wounded. They're losing hands, uh, legs. Blanche yeah. had like damaged face, maybe blind. No eyes. Yeah. yeah. And then we get this guy who's got no legs. Right. And then I love how proud he is of his like mobile infantry made me the man I am today. Yeah, and then he pulls back the chair yeah. and just another great moment of satire. Pulls back the chair and he's got no legs. Well, Rico is focusing on his metal arm. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> so it's not subtle. All the all the kids are beautiful. Right. All the adults are savagely damaged. Right. So that is on purpose. He has set that up. Yet as a kid. I never noticed. I just thought it was all cool. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Like as a kid, you're like, "Whoa, that's crazy! Look at that!" But now are we gonna have that in the future? <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. Now we're watching it, and they're like, "Ooh, it's real." <laughs> yeah. That's, he he likes to damage people a lot in his films. When you look at RoboCop, you look at uh, Total Recall, you look at this. A lot of damage. Total Recall had the mutants. Uh, RoboCop obviously had RoboCop. Yeah, and like this. We get, like, in one of the training scenes, somebody gets their head blown off in, like, spectacularly graphic fashion. Mm -hmm. Uh, At one point, Clancy Brown is showing his authority, and he throws a knife through Jake Busey's hand, and it's all in, like, one-shot graphic detail, and, like, pulls the knife out, and the hand is just, like, oozing, giant hole in it. Like, he he likes fragility of the body. He likes mm-hmm. showing how easy it is to blow somebody apart. Even though all of it, a lot of these movies he's done are, are very graphic, great graphic violence, they still kind of sneak up on you because he, especially in this film, he kind of puts you in a, a like, you feel secure, you know, like they're goofing around and everything, exactly. and then he gets then, stabbed in the hand, you're like, whoa! Right, like the scene when the guy gets his head blown off, there, he's He's, uh, oh, there's something wrong with my helmet. There's something wrong with my helmet. And Rico's like, take the helmet off. And then they're joking around back and forth with each other. And then, boom, boom. top of his head is gone. Like, in in one shot. Like, yeah, it's very disarming. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, disarming. That's a perfect way to put it. So after this guy from, I think, Major League, the movie Major League Baseball 2, uh, I don't know what he is. He just looks like a farmer. Mm. Like a big farm boy. Uh, he gets his head blown off, so Johnny Rico wants to quit. Right. He can't do it anymore. Right. Uh, so they basically, and this is where, what's his name from Baking Bad shows up, right? Right, yeah. Okay. Well, he, he shows up again because he signs yeah. up with him when he first signs up, and then he comes back, and he's okay. like, I got to demote you. Like, you're, yeah. you know, uh, we've seen in, like, um, uh, the course of the movie, we've seen Rico advancing and getting mm-hmm. higher and higher out to, as he's doing boot camp. And then, yeah, this guy gets his head blown off, and they're like, I got to demote you. And he's like, if you're going to demote me, I'm going to quit. Yeah. And they whip him. Yeah. So we get his first scars. Yeah. I don't know if that 
ties into something. I don't think I'm smart enough to figure that out. But now he's officially getting humanity, like, ripped away from him. Because yeah. then when he does officially quit, they find out Buenos Aires, his home is destroyed. We see him talking to his parents and then the whole, I don't know, kind of like the video phone, which is another Paul Verhoeven thing. He does that in a lot of his films. I definitely, he might definitely remember yeah. like the video chat. I remember that in Total Recall. I think it's in RoboCop too. It probably is. Um, so anyway, the parents die, and now his humanity is, in my opinion, this is the point where it's stripped. Right. He has it's been gone. whipped. He has the scars of wars, which were again. This is something smarter people can mine. But the scars of wars that he gets first are from his own people. People. Mm-hmm. And then his parents are taken away from him, and he's like, "I've got." The only thing I know how to do is to fight, so let's... So Clancy Brown rips up his resignation letter and is like, you're in. Yes, and Clancy Brown in this usually plays a bad guy in a lot of his movies. Uh, you do... This is the scene where I officially was like, I like him. Yeah, it's like, he's like, oh. he's a, He sees the potential in mm-hmm. Rico, and it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you do this. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's sort of warm in this scene. He's like, he's really, like, kind of fatherly in this scene now. And honestly, this is the film that they marketed. This is where it starts, right, right here. So we are now at the point in which this happens, and we go to the first battle. We are being invaded. Uh, we're going off to war. We are an hour into the film. Yeah, and really, so, other than that short sequence at the beginning, we don't know what these bugs can do. Right. But we're about to all find out at the exact same time. Yes, so we, we get an hour in. We take the time to establish the characters. But I have to say to the movie's credit, it's never boring. Mm-mm. I'm invested. Mm-mm. I know that these characters are caricatures, but I can there's, he is able to do it in a way where he's being satirical but watchable, too. You don't yeah. hate these people because they're caricatures. They're still watchable, and you still want to you know follow their story. So we get an hour in before we get to the war stuff, and I'm completely invested at yes. this point. Done. You, he has done it. I don't know who does his editing, if he helps out, whatever it is. All his films have a perfect balance of... You know, intense pullback, intense pullback. And it's just enough to sell the characters, but not enough to bore you. Right. Never. I can honestly say I was never bored at any point during any of this. No, he did a great job. It has a great beat to it. Yeah, absolutely. So we move into the first battle scene. We see the bugs and we see the severity of the situation. We see how many of the bugs there are. And they are just wrecking shit. Oh, they are incredible yeah the and the effects work especially on this tape i was watching because of how sort of analog it is got the use yeah uh the there's like no digital seams at all the effects look fantastic on these bugs this is a very good uh or what would you say transfer i guess from the film to the actual vhs yeah it's a great it's a transfer. Great transfer. It's a great yeah. transfer, uh, and I, I think we were we were watching some scenes before we got started uh, in HD as well. They still hold up that way as well. I mean, the effects no. just hold up. Well, we, we should introduce that this is one of the last films, maybe the last film to use miniatures. Yeah, and look, you can tell. And there's some stop motion mm-hmm. in there. There's miniatures. There's there's practical bugs, which are really cool too. You see them yeah. like. They're, they're not running sort of like 
when the mass scenes of all the bugs, but in the close-ups, those are real, huge, no. huge, probably animatronics. I think it's actually embarrassing that a lot of our new films, and I'm going to go back to Jupiter Ascending, uh, I, there's many of them we could, but they blast you with so much CG, and it all just looks like a cartoon. Right, yeah, no, I, I this think that's doesn't. the problem. Yeah, I think that's the problem that we don't get in sci-fi today that we were still getting in but in in 97 was the the practicality the tactileness of having something there yes well you uh, it might have some camp to it that's fine though because it's real right and i think i think that's the case for any movie it might have some mm-hmm. camp value but who cares it's there it, your actors can respond to it the viewers know it's real and really mm-hmm. there but for this movie especially the fact that it's a little campy plays in perfectly to the tone of the movie. Well, and I can also compare this to the new Star Wars episode um, 7 compared to the prequels. The prequels, right. it was just cartoon garbo. Yeah, it was it was a lot of CG, nothing there. But by the time now we get to uh, episode 7, a lot of those creatures are, yeah. again, They're there. practical effects. And they feel like everyone is in... Those aliens and everything, yada, 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 they feel like they're there because they are there, so they feel like they're in the same environment. Yes, occasionally they have to use CG to improve things. That's when you use it. Yeah, no, and I think that is the thing that works for nerds like us because when something is there like that, it transports us to that world. Mm -hmm. We're transported to the world of the bugs here. We're transported to that world in Star Wars. We were never transported in the prequels, and that's why we didn't like them. It wasn't wasn't like, oh, this is... The reason we fell in love with the original Star Wars was because they were like, this was a world we had never seen before, and it did such a good job of taking us there. By the time prequels came out, we were just like, no. Yeah, well... And, and join us here at Analog Jones, where we tear apart the prequels. <laughs> it's, it's, it comes up again, guys. Spoiler yes, alert. As yeah. you go down, we, we are, talk about Star Wars. I'm a massive Star Wars nerd. I, I'm wearing, this is my only fascist shirt I could find, which is a <laughs> join the Star Troop, uh, the Stormtroopers. So uh, I'm a massive nerd. It is what it is. It's so funny. I also am wearing like a Skynet Wants You, yeah. like fascist type shirt with a T2 3D shirt. I didn't do that on purpose at all. But, like, now I'm realizing that we both, God, I should, we're so nerdy, I just, like, <laughs> want to die. <laughs> Breaking news, we're nerds. <laughs> I love it. I didn't even plan it. It's great. All right, let's get back to this film. So we've got the battle, and we. this is when they're also putting in all the time that bugs, uh, no, there's no way, there's no such thing as a brain bug. And please, I'm just going to play you that commercial because whoever that character actor is between these two, I love. Would you like to know more? Federal scientists struggle to explain the intelligent military actions of the arachnids. When a colony reaches a certain size, 300 generations or something, it gets smarter. Insects that with me- intelligence? Have you ever met one? I can't believe I am hearing this nonsense. You just this wait is the most a ridiculous conversation I have ever had. There is some kind of bug that we haven't seen yet. A leadership cast, a, a hive brain. Brain bugs? Frankly, I find the idea of a bug that thinks offensive. What mysteries will the brain bug reveal? All right, anyway, so... Yeah, no, I, I, I love this scene, and uh, this is another one, because you, you sort of have this great comparison of, like, the smart, logical person coming in and saying, 
these things can think, we need to figure out how and why and how we can use it against them. But there's always somebody louder and mm-hmm. more aggressive just saying, no, there's no way. I don't believe they can think, so they can't think. We can't investigate that because that's not real because I don't think it is. Well, thank God we don't have to put up with that today. <laughs> We've gone past that. I'm not even going to say anything. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. You guys politics, already, politics. I already know what I'm thinking, so just let that one lay there. But yeah, love that scene. Love it. Yes, it's great. Uh, so then we get into this whole thing where they've got to be moved to the Roughnecks, mm. and that's a great name. Yeah. And it obviously yeah. stuck because it's part yes. of the franchise now. So uh, we get it where Gary Busey is just running his mouth. Busey. Oh, God. Mini Busey. Nah, messed up. That will <laughs> not be. That's what, three, four, eight times I've messed up something? Um, <laughs> I told you, I, I have a high average. So we get him like, oh, I hear your blah, blah, blah is a real nut buster. And he gets jacked in the face. Yeah. And who's the nut buster? Ironside. That man has earned that nickname. Yeah. And he is awesome in this film. Yeah. He he comes in like a f- fucking wrecking ball and is just like, all right, you guys that are left. So the, yeah, this is after the first battle where we first see the bugs and the severity of the situation. And we get caught up to the beginning of the movie because we see the scene oh, that the opening right, yeah. scene is. And we see all these, uh, they end up saying 100,000 troops murdered on this planet for this first thing. So the second, right before they go to the second battle is when our team joins up with the Roughnecks. So this is where we are now. I just wanted to mention that, like, we had that scene where we we get caught up and we lose, like, 100,000 yeah. troops. What I'm assuming is, is this entire Earth planet is basically one nation, yeah. one federation. Right. So... That's an incredible number to lose in one battle. Right. Uh, so they do have the kind of thing like we've got to figure this out. I remember NPH is like uh, I've run the numbers at this point. You know this war won't end forever, and right. we can't win. Right. So uh, now it's pretty much find. I don't think it's quite yet to find the brain bug, but let's let's investigate because that's why they end up going to this base that had been overrun with bugs. So they get there, we get a little taste of Michael Ironside's character, where he, one of the bugs, flying bugs, grabs a guy, and he zooms in and shoots the guy instead of the bug and says, I expect you to do the same if it happened to me. Right. And this is, we get a couple of uh, battles. So we get we get a scene where that happens, we get a scene uh, where uh, Ironside realizes he knows Rico from the past when he throws a grenade into mm-hmm. a bug like a football, we get a couple of battle scenes like that, and they're all good. Yeah, and here's a great quote that Michael Ironside's character has where he basically, you're it until I find something better. Golfer retreat. Medic! Nice moves. Did you learn how to do that, soldier? Back in school, sir. Don't you remember? I was captain of the team. Rico. Sir. I need a corporal. You're it until you're dead. Or do I find somebody better? Thank you, sir. I love that character. That character sells this whole fascist regime in a way that's positive. And that's the point of this movie, where it's so positive, it's negative. Right. He's not winking at the camera. He's just giving it 100%. And he's he's believing it. And you can see this sort of just realness of the severity of the situation in his character 
but it helps sell the whole thing. Yeah, he's perfect in this film. He is the best casting him and I kind of really well the casting in this film is great. Yeah, I think even even lesser actors like no offense, but Denise Richards is not as you know good of an actor as Ironside. She's perfectly cast for this role. Though. Yeah, and, a good director gets the most out of her. Right, and, and she's not worked with many good ones. Right, right. It's true. It's like this and McNaughton and Wild Things. It's probably it <laughs> that I can remember. I, yeah. But, like, yeah, she gives a great performance. Casper Van Dien's great in this movie, and he's hit or miss usually, and he's great in this. Mm-hmm. I think I think the next, though, uh, great actor after Ironside is probably Dina Meyer as Dizzy. She gets this role. One thing that, I mean, this whole love triangle where Dizzy follows Rico, Rico follows uh, Denise Richards' character, um, Carmen, to me... I think they made Dizzy's character a little too smart. Because I, I don't I, think she'd be that dumb to become. But, I mean, that was... This is a tiny little tidbit of criticism. I mean, it's not even real criticism. It just makes me think. Yeah, I I think she's just... I, I, I think having her be as smart as she is adds a sort of third dimension. She is smart. She knows this is dumb to follow a guy. But, like, I don't know. I think that just brings out an extra dimension in her character. And, and she, I, I think she just delivers this no, whole she's movie. No, she's actually a really good actress. And a lot of things I've seen her in, smaller roles, I don't understand why she never got better roles. Yeah. No, I, I don't understand it either. And, I mean, I'm glad she seems to have been a working actress because she's been mm-hmm. in a ton of yeah, stuff. Yeah, she's been in a lot. So I'm glad to see that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised she never, like, got the top line of movie besides well, Ben's. All right, back to this. Yeah. <laughs> well, Johnny Mnemonic, which I don't even remember. I've got that one on VHS if we ever want to analog Jones it. This just in. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. <laughs> I, I love it. The, the, oh, yeah. I have a whole trunk full of these VHSs, and this man right here trumps me. Oh, oops. I said Trump. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we're talking about this movie. I mean, uh, what do I, uh, we don't anyway, back to, to the re- battle. We don't even need to make the comparisons. The movie lays it all out there for right. us. So they won the battle. They have a little party. And this is one of his, like, he backs off. And this is where Ironside tells Rico, why aren't you banging Dizzy? Yeah. She and, likes you. And then they go off to bang. And then we hear that uh, there's another attack coming. But Ironside's like, I'll give you 20 minutes. Because <laughs> he catches them canoodling in the tent. Uh, canoodling. Yeah, I think we get some booby scenes here. Yeah. We There's get, a couple booby scenes we in get, this. Well, we get the all-naked, all all-genders all shower mm-hmm. early on where just everybody's naked. Uh, we get a lot of butts. We get a couple boobs. We don't. Yeah. Uh, we we get hints of hints of peen, but not full on peen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they, they we get probably some side and back peen. <laughs> I bet. I bet back then, this would that would have probably got you like a an X. Yeah, they they might have gone further. I don't know. And yeah, could, weren't allowed. But I, I just want to give the movie props for just give everybody's naked. Oh, everybody's man. naked in the man. Scene. In the '90s, seemed. I mean, that was the whole sexual revolution of men and especially women. I feel like the co-ed shower was pushed at some point in the late '90s. Yeah, and actually, I just don't understand why we're still not there. 
Damn it's it. Not a big, it's not a big deal. It's just people taking a shower. It just saves room. <laughs> <laughs> saves water, man. Just put them all together. Let's go ask Ashley if she agrees. <laughs> <laughs> she, she might, though. She I might. don't know. I don't yeah, know. She might. Who knows? Uh, so we get, uh, yeah, I do remember Gary Busey's awesome violin in this, like the neon one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're playing violin. They're sort of dancing close together. And then, yeah, then they hook up. Ironside gives them 20 minutes, then they go ship off to the next war, where, of course, then she dies. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> Back to the battle, where we find out one of the, I don't know, one of the soldiers there gets his brain sucked out. Right. Uh, and this kind of alludes to, like, listen, folks, there is a brain bug. Yeah. Uh, we know it now. Uh, we get a soldier who locked himself in a locker who's going crazy, and another one. And I'm going to stop and play it again and extend this podcast even longer with just listen to what Ironside does right before the war starts. Control yourself, General. I can't. I can't. We should just shoot me. Lieutenant! He's just a little out of his mind, sir. Ah! Warm it all up! Everything you've got! Come on, you hate! You wanna live forever? He's just gonna blow his head off. He's just gonna shoot him. Yeah, he's gonna shoot him. He doesn't, because Rico's there to save the day. But in the end, Rico ends up killing him by shooting a bug into him. Well, the bug, yeah, I mean, the bug kills him. And I do love Busey and his look at each other where they're like, uh-oh, whoops. <laughs> whoops. <laughs> and they sort of laugh it off. After this happens, then we get two deaths right in a row. Dizzy goes down and Ironside. He gets his legs ripped off, and then it's the... then. Uh, yeah, that's where Rico kind of takes over. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got a, he's like... Remember what I told you earlier? Yeah, doesn't uh, he shoot him? And then Rico yeah. shoots him. Rico! You know what to do! Yes, sir! Do it, Rico! So we lose both Ironside and uh, Dizzy in that scene. Oh, man, two two great characters yeah. right in a row. But then we get an awesome scene after that, after the funeral. We uh, see Neil Patrick Harris come in in his full SS garb. Oh, and, no kidding. Yeah, and not subtle at all. Uh, He's got a ring around his eyes, too. He yeah. just looks bad. Yeah. He's evil. Yeah, and he walks in there, and he's just like, he's just like, we knew there was something up there. That's why we sent you guys down there to all die. And Rico, without missing a beat, is just like, that's what we're for. Yeah. He is totally accepted <laughs> that he is a cog in the machine. Right. And, I mean, again. And he is part of the low of the totem pole in a way. I mean, he's yeah. boots on the ground. They're getting down just like getting into that bug. Down in the nitty gritty. Right. And, like, again, not subtle on any of that. And he's just like, that's what we're for. Can't wait to ship off again. Yeah. And that's what happens. They get they. Uh, SS Neil Patrick Harris sends him down to fight once again, and they meet up with, or at that point, they have already met up with Denise Richards and Patrick Muldoon, who think Rico died in that scene. That's right, yeah. Where he gets punctured in the leg, which is the opening scene mm-hmm. and the halfway point in the film. They think he's dead, so they're like, whoa, he's alive still. Let's, you know, all go together now. And then that's when they go to the uh, the brain bug. Yeah, and we get the two pilots, 
D- Denise Richards' character, and uh, what's the other guy's name? Patrick Muldoon, but I don't know his name in the movie. No, neither do I. I don't remember it. So it's, yeah. I so, know Carmen. Carmen and Patrick Muldoon. <laughs> I do remember he does get one. He doesn't get a lot in this movie, but he does get that great scene where he basically tells the bug to go fuck itself, and yeah. here it is right here. One day, someone like me is going to kill you and your whole fucking race. Boom, there it is. That's a great line. And then he gets his head... I mean, he gets all of his brains sucked out. Right. So I guess they suck out the brains and know your thoughts. I think that's what they're trying to say, because they then know, yeah, the military strategy once they suck the brains. Which we should introduce to this. This world has psychics? Yeah, yeah, because that's what Neil Patrick Harris... uh, We'll explain it. So she ends up cutting off its little stabbing sucker. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Also, great practical effects there. Mm -hmm. So she stabs it off. Eventually, they come. They rescue them. Rico, Busey, and the preacher from... The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know his name, but I do like him in both things I've seen him. And uh, Denise Richards is alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pull her yeah, out. Yeah, she's yeah. yeah. So then they finally escape, and we see a bunch of troops cheering because they finally captured the brain bug. Right. And uh oh, who's who's back? It's Clancy Brown. <laughs> and uh, he bumped down to private, I guess, to fight. As a you know, a soldier, as a mobile infantry, and he ends up actually capturing the bug. Yeah, and, and I, he he know. says early on, there's a scene with him and Dean Norris where he says, "I want to go fight," and he's like, and Dean Norris is like, "No, you got your your ranking. You got to." That's here. right. Yes, we yeah. need you here. So we it sort of alludes to it, and that's the last time we see him. So it almost takes an hour again before we're reintroduced. Yeah, and he, it's it's good. I liked it, and. I do like at the end of this, we get Neil Patrick Harris touching the brain bug and then yelling and proclaiming, it's afraid. And I, even as a kid, I was like, no fucking shit. I mean, it's surrounded by soldiers firing right. guns in the air. What, what do you expect it to be? Like confident? Right. But like it, it again, it just hammers home the, the anti-war sentiments again. Yes. That line. And I, I always, I, even as a kid, was almost just, like, disturbed by that line. Yeah. Because you see something like that tied up, even though it's a fake creature or whatever, you see it tied up and you just know it's afraid. To, like, an eight-year-old, it's, like, kind of fucked up. Like, <laughs> Well, the whole thing is we are attacking their planet. They're defending themselves. Right. We are the aggressors. This is a war nation. It is going... I mean, all of this is tied into... And this has to be because it was during the Clinton years. Guaranteed. Where it was kind of like anti-war with right. the, the presidency and everything. Or at least we didn't want to go to war. Right. Um, and this was just like, no, we're a warring nation here. And he is so mirroring this on the current events of that time of the past and of the future of what he thinks. Right. So, I mean, he just hammers it home. I do not get the critique of this film back, you know, 17, 18, whenever this came out years ago. How did they not see this? 20 years ago. 20 years old. We're really old. (laughs) I love how I couldn't figure out 
2017 and 1997. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> ugh, whatever. Um, so, I, I mean, they bash it. And what I love about this film is he has the balls to show they learned nothing. nothing. Yeah. It's just like right back on the ground. Yes. Let's, let's, let's churn out, churn out some more mobile infantries. We're going. But the whole thing of this is these bugs, this brain bug, it has feelings. Yeah. You are fighting a creature that is intelligent. Uh, I mean, the whole time they're trying to dehumanize the bugs the mm-hmm. entire time with the commercials and everything like that. But the problem is, is you are fighting something with feelings. You are fighting right. a creature that is very much like us. Right. That is afraid because it's being attacked. But yes, they do the commercials and the sort of the, the media is telling mm-hmm. us to be afraid of it. Yes. Fear those bugs, even though we have no idea if we just pulled away, if they just be like, yeah, we can live peacefully and let's come up with a solution. There is no peaceful resolution. No one, does anyone, I think one reporter at one time goes, when they're like switching out the uh, failed general, whatever, or sky commander, I don't, whatever, and they put in a new one and like one of the reporters, I think, says something uh, of like, you know, is this the best solution? Should we just go to war? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, one person questions it, but it's silenced by people yelling. Yes, yeah. And it is yeah. silenced by louder people. Ugh. Louder, aggressive voices. So good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they pound it that fascism is bad here. So, you know what? Critics of the late 90s fail. Yeah, and look at look at how big it's become. We'll talk about in a minute the franchise but just the film itself look at how big it has become and i bet uh, 90 percent of those critics were to go back now it would all be positive reviews Mm -hmm. i don't think they'd be like five star and four star you know but i think they'd be like positive no this is a film that needs a second look i mean i mean because of youtube and because of everything you can go on youtube i mean there so many people review this and i guarantee almost all of them like it yeah this is what's great this is the positive about the internet, where these gyms come back and people realize, no, this is really smart. Yeah, and for I mean, being so dumb. And that's what that's yeah. what we're gonna try to do with this podcast is find stuff. So it was it was very like intentional for us to start with something that was yes. sort of found on home video. This is gold, right? And more people should see it, and more people should also realize that. Surface, just like the characters in this. I mean, they're just, it's surface beauty. This is a great looking action sci fi movie. Mm-hmm. But underneath it, there's a lot. Right. But it's still under the guise of an exploitation movie, too. Yes. It's like there's really smart, socially conscious writing in this movie, but it's also exploitation. But then it's also exploitation but filmed really well. Yes. I like, do uh, believe yeah. this is during the time period where Hollywood figured out exploitation with a big budget can make a shit ton of money. Yeah, and it didn't work initially for this one, but no, it, not it this paid one, off. But it paid off on video. Later on, I mean Independence Day was a year before this and it to me Independence Day is always the one in my mind that started it. Right, yeah, no, Independence Day was like, "Oh, we can make bad movies expensive." And, and make <laughs> money. Now, we did have a dark period after this, though, from about, I'd say, 99, maybe 98, from 2004, where it was CG mumble-jumble shit. 
Uh, I mean, we got the Godzillas, and we go on and on. Godzilla, Lost in Space. Yeah. Uh, what else was around this? Spawn, <gasps> which I love, but like, it's well, still what's, CGI. What, what, yeah, I mean, oh, Lost in Space. Now I just remember that monkey. All right. <laughs> uh, we, we've gone down the nostalgia hole a little bit too much here. So we are going to come back with some, some tidbits, some great tasty treats about this film. But first, let's look at that last commercial that they play. What mysteries will the brain bug reveal? Federal scientists are working around the clock to probe its secrets. Once we understand the bug, we will defeat it. We have the ships. We have the weapons. We need soldiers. Soldiers like Lieutenant Stack Lumbridge. Remove target area now, Captain. And Captain Carmen Abanez. This is the Captain speaking. Soldiers like Private Ace Levy and Lieutenant John Rico. We need you all. Service guarantees citizenship. Let's talk about the universe surrounding this film, and it's it's vast. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Starship Troopers stuff that sort of came after the after the film. Uh, let's talk about the toys first. Yeah, if little Matt and little Steve saw this, liked it, and were like, we want some toys to play with so we can play bad guys and good guys. And I have, still to this day, I, it's in my basement in my parents' house, I have the Warrior Bug toy. It looks. Uh, we're looking at a couple of them right now, and that Warrior Bug looks well built. Yeah, and it's it's pretty, like, screen accurate. Like, it looks, mm-hmm. you know, like when these toys would come out from movies back in the 90s, they didn't always look like the things in the movie. But this is, like, pretty spot on for the thing in the movie. What I do love about it is the Johnny Rico and the Carmen toys that we're looking at right now, they are not screen accurate. <laughs> He's got, like, a tank, uh, like a... Like a thing you would take underwater he's got a mask that i don't think he ever wears in the movie and we're looking at this toy now and i fucking think i had this too but i don't think i have this anymore i know i have the warrior but i think i had a johnny rico toy too i don't know why you know what amazing i don't remember these uh maybe it's because i was at the beginning portion of high school and maybe i was trying to avoid letting my friends know that i still was into toys I don't mm-hmm. know I, I just don't remember any of this but that warrior bug is something I definitely would have wanted and I tell you one thing I think is really cool on this is all the ships in this film they sell like the drop ship here even the drop ship when I was looking at it on eBay they look cool yeah I mean they look cool in the movie the toys look cool like it was, it's a cool design yeah. I do gotta admit the the lamest toy just kind of like the job of the hut toy is the brain bug i don't yeah, know i don't know what kids clamoring for that yeah it's just a hunk of plastic yeah, with a little stem on the top I, yeah it looks so it looks terrible let's see here and then we'll move on to even more of the universe we do have some video games that i want to point out uh, there was an xbox game that doesn't have any of the characters on it and it uses the Japanese uh, poster. So I guess maybe they're trying to... S- I never played it, but it looks like they're trying to sell it as kind of like Dead Space. Yeah, it definitely has a Dead Space horror horror yeah. uh, sci-fi. I wonder if this was around Resident Evil 2 and stuff. They're trying to push it, it yeah. yeah. I bet it was. That's what it kind of looks like from the cover and the back pictures. Yeah. Uh, I also do love how they're trying to push that live. Now you can go online with it. Yeah. Oh, the turn turn of video games. Yeah, and then we had a PC game that, again, none of the 
characters from the film. It looks like they're just trying to expand the universe. Yeah, and you mentioned we were talking before we started recording that this came out in 2000, so it still took a couple years for this to sort of take off. Yeah, it looks... The the game was 2000, you said, the the PC game. The PC game was 2000. I, I think the Xbox game was around there, so I don't know why it took that long. Maybe... I don't know, maybe the industry was just a little bit different. Uh, We did move on. I'm a big board game guy, so uh, I love to see that there was a miniature game that came out in 2005, kind of like an RPG type thing. Uh, Looks really cool. We're looking at it now, and the miniatures are awesome. I bet that was an expensive game. Yeah, you you sort of got the figures of the uh, Roughnecks and a bunch of the uh, uh, infantry bugs. And, and yeah, it looks like a very uh, elaborate setup. Yeah, for I, a, I would uh, play it. Miniature board game. It didn't last long on the market though. It was pulled in two thousand seven. I don't know why. I guess it just wasn't selling very well. Well, I think that was around oh seven was probably the time of like the political correctness and everything that was gonna like oh, hurt our kids. Yeah, I okay. think that was like the height of that. It was the end of the Bush years, and they were just getting crazy at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do love how the, the Reagan era of, like, the 80s where you're just like, now you can sell all these kids. You know, like, you can create these toys and make – it went hog wild. And it's some of our greatest memories when really it was just us getting market – you know, like, uh, buy these toys. Buy them now. You need them. Right. And I fell for it. Damn yeah. right. Commercialization was – I mean, that's – I had all the all the tie-in toys. It defines our generation. It's probably why we're still collectors. It's probably, yeah, it made yeah. a generation of nerds, but, like, you know, bad for uh, capitalism, but great for nerd culture. <laughs> yeah, or good for capitalism. I don't know. I, well, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. That's, that's uh, debatable. Uh, so, and then we had, I noticed this came out. There was a board game somewhere in the 70s, uh, 76, based on the original novel, but it looks like sci-fi 50s, probably because the book was written in 59. Yeah, it looks fine. Looks like a fun game. As mm-hmm. I yawn through it, and it looks like, <laughs> looks like a fun game. <laughs> oh, it's not like we can... There wasn't many pictures on it, so we'll go into some of the really cool stuff on this. I watched the documentary on this. Well, well before we talk about that, oh. we got to talk about the sequels. we got to talk about the Oh, that's right. You know what? I'm going to let you talk about the sequels, because I don't know much about them. So I've, I've only ever seen... There's a second one, uh, obviously, uh, Hero of the Federation. I've seen it. It's good. It's not as good, but as far as like a direct-to-video sequel, it it, it works, and I think it's because uh, Ed Newmeyer came back to uh, write that film. Uh, it's it's good. It's worth checking out. Uh, Hero of the Federation uh, points out sort of the commentary that yeah is in there. I mean, Hero of the Federation again sounds like a Nazi film from the right. 40s. Right, right, right. So yeah, a lot of that is still there, um, and that came out in '04, and then in '08. We got a third sequel, which Casper Van Dien came back, and Ed Newmeyer actually took over to direct as well uh, as mm. right. So Rico is back, and I think it's called Marauder. I never saw this one. Mm. I'm interested now that I'm sort of back in the universe, though, to go back and watch I think it was a Stars film or Encore or no, something. No, I found out what the no, Stars one is. Uh, in 2012, there was uh, a CG sequel called Starship Troopers Invasion. All and right. that was a stars straight to TV. Man, there's a sequel. lot. So there's four of those, and then we just got a fifth one, which is just a direct sequel to the first one called Traitor of Mars, which is also animated but has Dina Myers back. So I don't, I'm curious how she's back. 
uh, as Dizzy, and uh, Rico is back. But it's this one's animated, but it's the mm-hmm. actors from the first one are back, and it's a direct sequel to the first one. So there's that whole franchise. Plus, you get the Roughneck cartoon series as well. Ah, yeah, I did see that on YouTube. That was I watched a little bit of it as a kid because that came out right away. That was like in '97 that started, so I, it was already marketing to kids because they had that cartoon. Man, and just, I watched a little bit of it's it. It's amazing. It okay. It's amazing what films. I mean, like the Robocops, the Aliens, this uh, pushing these. Oh, I mean, violent films, and yeah. then like, hey, kiddos. Yeah, like I, I always go back to like I had Demolition Man toys. And that movie's fucked up. Like they had Demolition Man toys, <laughs> yeah. and I I had like the the little uh, Wesley Snipes, you know, the white hair and like tons of guns. Like <laughs> man, we really they really did not care in our generation. No, oh, they were just like R rated, whatever. Sell them toys. Let's yeah, let's get them ready for war. <laughs> Basically, like, get them used to desensitize them so yep. they can kill these uh, bugs. I mean people. I mean Arabs. I mean what. <laughs> God. Russians, <laughs> bad. Not anymore. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> They're the good guys now. They're the ones pulling the strings. Ah, uh, ooh, uh, politics. <laughs> so, uh, wow, man. Okay, now I'm going to get into the, the great little tidbits yes. on this. So you so watched I The watched Making Of. The Making Of It, uh, Death From Above. And I'll, I'll just go through my notes on the things I picked up. It was about empty-headed, beautiful people. Mm-hmm. That is literally a Paul Verhoeven quote. Uh, inspired by World War II posters, all the propaganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you go online, there are people make their own propaganda posters for it, and damn, they're good. Nice. You know, like, only good bug is a dead bug. Fantastic. Right. Minimalist, too. You'd yeah. love it. Yeah. Uh, again, the book was written in 1959. Throwback to the 40s, 50s propaganda films. Uh, the movie was kind of written in the perspective of, what if Hitler won? Yeah, that's, that, that's obvious. And, again, the whole point is get some young, beautiful people who don't think. You know, they just join in. Mm. Uh, so they've they bought all of it. Uh, Melrose Place Goes to War was something also said into it. Uh, actors and some of the extras were given 11 days of a quick boot camp. Nice. So that's to try to make them move like soldiers. And I actually think they did a pretty good job, yeah, except I- in one point where Ironside is just firing from the hip at the bugs and not even pointing at them. So I was like, hmm. But he looks cool. He does look and cool. And that's the point, I think, too, for the yeah. movie. Uh, shows you a functioning fascist society. Yeah. And, yeah, that's exactly when you uh, – the making of this is really, really good. But the making of it was also made in 2002, which is weird. Yeah, I wonder if that's just like when the DVD came out. Like maybe, maybe the DVD like a, didn't make like it a right special away. features. Mm-hmm. Oh, they create an enemy because the society needs an enemy. Mm-hmm. That was his whole point. Uh, no. And again, critics didn't get it. They didn't get the satire, and they talk about it in it. Where Paul Verhoeven just like I didn't know what else to do to sell it as satire of fascism and war. But he's like, they didn't get it. And he actually talks about how, like, it seems like it picked up steam when it went to video. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, by 2002, sort of the franchise had found its footing. Mm -hmm. It did, finally. Uh, And then we did find out that this was nominated for an Oscar, Special Effects. Interesting. Sadly, it lost to Titanic. You know what? Fuck that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Don't look behind you. There's a Titanic poster. (laughs) Not really. But I do love me some Leo. Okay, that's just me. I like uh, I like uh, Romeo and Juliet. Leo, 
I like that movie a lot. I don't even remember that. Now, this was... Like how future, I, there's a parody on Futurama about this, and I really want to watch it. I've seen probably every Futurama episode, so I'm sure it would only take two minutes and I remember the whole story. But I believe it was them going to a planet and then finding out, like Fry's like, wait, you mean we're invading you guys? Yes, we are just defending ourselves. And it's just great. It's just like, oh, so we're the bad guys. Yes. Oh, <laughs> shit. That's pretty funny. Uh, and this was something else in it uh, that I picked up online is apparently the whole the only good bug is a dead bug is based on the only good Indian is a dead Indian. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's another whole thing that could be mined from this movie is more like the uh, the white people coming and taking mm-hmm. over another person's lands. Yeah, that whole thing. And I do wonder how much of this I've never seen Triumph of the Will. Uh, the Nazi movie mm-hmm. yeah, made no. way back in the day. Uh, but apparently they used a lot of that footage to create their commercials. Mm. So, I mean, this very was smart. very smart. Uh, well done. Hardcore violence to sell it to people and then smart enough to kind of hook the nerds. Mm-hmm. So good job. Very impressed. Now, would you, <laughs> this is kind of obvious, would you recommend this? Yeah, so if you're going down the aisles of the uh, Goodwill or Salvation Army or whatever you have by you that sells tapes still, and you come across this VHS, which you're very likely to do, because mm-hmm. when we said we were going to do this, I found it the next day. So <laughs> Easy. Yeah, so you could come across it. I absolutely say pick it up. Definitely. Two thumbs. Whatever you want. Five stars. Five 10. thumbs. 10.0. Oh, I, I, yeah, five thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a freak from Total Recall, five thumbs. Uh, this is great. I definitely pick it up. I would say pick it up on VHS too because of the nostalgia factor. Like I said, the analog nature of it uh, really blends in the special effects nicely. You can you can't see the seams. Uh, yeah, this digitally mastered looks sounds great. It's not in widescreen, so buy the DVD if you need the widescreen. But uh, also pick up the VHS for the nostalgia factor for sure. All right. So. What are we putting in the museum? Yeah, here at Analog Jones, we like, again, we're trying to find the gold here. Right. So the museum, I'm saying right now in the museum, honestly, I have to put the fascist commercials. You're putting the fascist commercials in the museum? Yes, well, that's where they belong, in a museum. (laughs) So we don't let it happen again? (laughs) Well, it clearly, it has worked. (laughs) Everything is functioning fine. (laughs) No, I, I thought it was ballsy. Okay, yeah. I thought it was very ballsy to take commercials based off old fascist movies, films, what have you, posters, and make that what is the glue that connects this film and people just didn't get it yeah yeah no i i 100 respect 100 percent respect the uh, decision to put that in the museum i would i would do the same uh i really i think it's yeah it's it is the the thing i think about when i think about this mm-hmm. movie after not seeing it for a while is the commercials yeah they're great do you want to know more? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Matt, what are you putting in your museum? I'm going to go sort of like uh, ride your coattails a little bit, but do something a little different. I'm going to put in Michael Ironside, the museum, his character in this film, because he gets it. He gets the satire. He gets the character. He gets 
he's also cool. Like he, you know, you're pulled. In, like if you were watching this movie through the lens of not getting the satire, you're like, wow, I would follow that dude into war. Yeah, he's... So, like, I, I think I'm going to put Michael Ironside's character in the museum because he just, he, he encapsulates the movie for me. He is the anchor of it. Yeah. He, I guess you could say, pulls them down into, like, not being humans anymore. Right. He's the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. So uh, I absolutely think he belongs in the museum. Well, he's great. He's also great in Turbo Kid if you haven't seen that. Oh, he's I will, amazing. I, I will film. push the hell out of that film. It's amazing. All right, well, that ends it. Uh, we will be back. Well, actually, we'll be honest here. I don't know if I'm going to cut this, but we've recorded a lot of these right. to get better, so our first episode here could be awesome. So I don't remember what's number two. Number two is Creepazoids. Is it Creepazoids? Creepazoids right. is next. So we're still doing sci-fi, but we're now we're dipping our toes in the horror. Yeah, so that should be fun. Uh, that is definitely a uh, much lower budget. Yeah. But it's, so. I think it's uh, worth talking about. So it's worth listening to. If you listen to this and you're like, what are they doing next? I've never heard of Creepazoids. Fucking do it. Watch it. Because, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a trip, man. I'm pretty sure you can watch it free on YouTube, so. Well, no. You can watch it free on fullmoonstreaming.com. <laughs> oh, we're going to, yes, yes. Let's, don't, don't go to YouTube. Fullmoonstreaming.com. It's a great streaming site. Or, or use the Full Moon channel on your Amazon Prime. <laughs> Advertising dollars. <laughs> All right, we're going to hit you off with what we like to tell you. Remember to be kind. And rewind. Everything cool. Set it, Lieutenant. Xander, you remember Johnny? Xander and I are a flight team now. Damn, best in the fleet. I get it. This is the part that's best for both of us. Don't do me any more favors. Johnny, wait. Yeah, forget it, Lieutenant. He's mobile infantry. See, when you're trained to kill, it just doesn't pay to be polite. You got something to say about the mobile infantry? I think you heard me. You want to make something of it? Private? Not with an officer. No, sir. The MI doesn't mean stupid troopers. Let's disregard rank. Xander, please. Anybody hear that? Rank is not an issue here. Don't do this. Come on, what's he going to do? Come on. Come on, let's help.